2: Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on WMR.fm, episode number 455. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is my company senior SEO, Scott Fanak. Today is chapter two of the SEO learning series with SEO 101. Uh, it's pretty exciting. Today we're going to be talking about planning your SEO strategy. There is a lot to it and uh, a lot to fit in. So let's jump right into it. First is knowing your market. Some of this is the really basic stuff that a business should just do anyway, but um, it, it bears mentioning. First is buyer personas. Know the people you're selling to and what kind of people they are. Break them down into personas. Easily type in buyer personas online and you'll find some great checklists uh, and guides on how to create personas. I mean, I, I, use it all the time because I need to refresh my memory and the best ways to do it. It's not tons of fun. Um, and how to do the research and such. Um, pain points. Uh, we're talking about what is it about those person. This is built into the personas, but I think it bears mentioning what are the, why are they going to purchase your service? What is it or your product? What's the pain point that's triggering them to make the decision to buy? Uh, in, in our case, it would be, um, we just dropped in rankings or, uh, uh, paid ads are not working for us or, um, perhaps we want to hit a new market. We want to make more money. There's a t- ton of different things. Anything else I'm missing here, Scott?
3: Probably. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I would probably look at two at uh you know wanting to catch up with competition if their competition is yes taking off um would probably be the first thing i would think of
2: and some of them are, are are vanity based we've had some pretty funny ones like uh why isn't my name showing up number one is that leading to business i don't care i want my name to be number one
3: okay okay <laughs> do you remember we have a client years ago and all they wanted to do was rank for their business name and they didn't because their site was badly broken, and so we fixed it. It was an easy fix. They started ranking and we're like, okay, have a nice life. You know, we didn't, they didn't need us anymore. They stayed a monthly client for years and we kept saying you don't need us and they didn't care. They're like, we don't care. And they kept paying us and we couldn't do anything. They're like, well, if only we
2: could get more of those.
3: I, yeah, <laughs> the, the first and last that we ever saw. And they, they just, they only cared about ranking for their business name. And we kept saying, you will always rank for your business name unless you screw up really, really badly. And, well, okay. You you do what the client wants sometimes. You check in one of them again. Yeah, maybe they're not. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, or yeah, or talk to them about knowledge panels and how they could show yeah. up even better for their business name. Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. We're going to do that tomorrow. All right. Uh, pricing, <laughs> right? Um uh, look at how, you know, what's the flinch? That's uh, so what we call it in sales, uh, you know, a the, the moment of flinch when a person's just going, oh, that's too much. Um, knowing that is good. Knowing just how low you want to go if you want to get into the market at a low price. Um, that's a different tactic. Sometimes it's not a good idea, um, appearing cheap. Uh, maybe just right out of the gate you want to be, want to show that you, you're of such a high value that you don't mind charging a little more. And, and that earns a different type of respect if you can deliver. The other is setting expectations. Um, and we're going to talk about that a lot today. But uh, knowing your market, you need to know what you can actually achieve. Will you know for sure? Probably not. But you can get some ideas of that as you do your planning, maybe even polling other people in your industry that aren't direct competitors. You'll be amazed at how many people are willing to just jump on a phone with you and answer questions if they know that you're not going to be a direct competitor. But you're jumping into their market. Um, I love to share information if I can. If I can help out a small business or whatever, it's it's rewarding. It's yeah. we've got so much knowledge, and I'm speaking for anyone who runs a business uh, for any length of time. You get so much that we don't even realize how much we know, and it's nice to pass that along.
3: That happens to me a lot, where I feel unprepared going into a meeting. Like I don't know how to do this. I feel like I don't know what I'm talking about, and then they ask you a question, and you're like, uh, but then the answer comes out. You're like, oh, I do know that. And I do know, you know, you, you kind of forget what you know when you're not talking about it all the time.
2: It's true. Uh, we always underestimate how much we know. Um, and sometimes we expect others know what we know. And that's the classic curse of knowledge. Um, and yeah, it's just the nature of things. Uh, it's amazing how much we know. We probably, well, having done this, this is my 27th year. I I know Genius, but I I I'm sure I've forgotten more than the most people know within the first few years of doing SEO. It's it's just how it is. We've been doing it so darn long. Um but I can't say I would know that right off the bat. It's just <laughs> how it it works out. Okay, so let's jump into keyword research. Now we're gonna use the SEMrush keyword magic tool in this example. Uh it's one of our favorite tools. Um so we figured we'd pick one to work with. Um where would we start with this, uh, Scott?
3: Yeah, so keyword research is one of those things that it, – it, it's funny. I've seen effective keyword research that contains literally hundreds of thousands of keywords in a spreadsheet that you have to sort and deal with. And I've also seen the opposite where you've got maybe a dozen. And both can be effective depending on your niche and your market. And, like, if you're a really small shop with a really obvious – um uh target like say you're a real estate agent for example it's probably one of the most obvious keyword research jobs you'll do because it's usually things like city name say seattle seattle homes for sale seattle real estate seattle real estate you know it's very easy to brainstorm uh what your potential targets might be but if you are say amazon you know or, or some big company where you've got hundreds of products and hundreds of different uh Fields and, and you serve different geographic locations. I mean, it can get really crazy sometimes trying to figure that out. So keyword research is, yes, yeah, scary and easy at the same time, depending on where you're at. Um, but really when, when doing it, I always say start with just a basic brain dump into Excel or whatever your, you know, works for you. Maybe you're a pen and paper person, although I wouldn't recommend that, but <laughs> do it works and, um, just write down everything you think might work um, if you are a local business, don't include location. Add that later, so for example, again, if you're we'll just use real estate as an example, you'd write down homes for sale, home for sale, house for sale, real estate, all that in a column in another column, write down Seattle Seattle Washington, Washington, maybe you've got Puget Sound you've got all the different locations that are relevant uh, put your different modifiers like for sale, cheap uh whatever they might be, right? So you have a bunch of different columns that can kind of all work with each other. And then you can build off long tail keywords out of those. And, uh, and that's just using just brainstorming right off the top before you even dive into tools. And then you can start to use tools like SEMrush, which is a great example with the keyword magic tool or whatever you want to use and type in your keyword, like real estate and see what it spits out. And it'll give you other examples. It will give you long tail words that have search volume, um, it's it's really incredible how many potential targets you can get when you think you don't have a lot of potential targets, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and real estate might be the worst. In Seattle real estate might be the worst target to go after because the competition and we'll get into competition could be super fierce. Uh, maybe that's, again, not a realistic expectation. Maybe it is. So there there's a lot of. Things to look at there in terms of what's feasible, but, um, but you want to start with just a big old list. You want to just get as many ideas down and then start to filter those through.
2: Yeah. And when you use SEMrush, once you plunk them in there, um, or just do once, one at a time, it depends how you want to go about it. Um, you'll get a list of all the different types of, of possible keywords, uh, that, well, you'll, you'll get the ones that you plunked in and it'll tell you which ones, um, actually have any kind of search volume. And if you see something with a low search volume, don't think that that's a bad thing necessarily. It could be that that's got a high commercial intent. And there's that's where we get into search intent. Um, There's informational, commercial, transactional, and navigational. So informational, people just looking for an answer to a question. Um, Commercial, they're doing their research before making a purchase. Like best coffee maker. Uh, Transactional, this is the gold. This is the gold. If you have the right page for this that will convert them, then you want to use this and to wrap that traffic to the page. These are people who want to complete an action such as buying a coffee maker. Navigational. This is a little different. This is when they want to find a specific page about Keurig coffee maker. I find it a little tough to discriminate between that and commercial, like or, or actually informational. I mean, they're just kind of looking around for information. But anyway, it is... It also, it's own sort of, uh, topic. Um, in that case, they might be looking for Keurig coffee maker. So they're being a little more specific. Um, uh, that information, you're going to get that data there and it's going to give you some idea of what is going to be good. Now, if you've got something with a low volume of searches, it could be that, like I said, it could be commercial or transactional. Well, if there's only 200 searches and you get the number one ranking, but it's highly transactional, that's pretty damn good. You could get some very decent sales from that, especially if it's a high-ticket sales item. Um, if it's a low-ticket, well, whatever. It's still not going to hurt you, if, especially if it's easy to attain. Uh, it wouldn't take long to look at a search result in Google and decide whether or not it looks very competitive. If you start seeing, like, uh, Walmart and Amazon and Target and whatever showing up there in the top, you're going to go, okay, that's pretty competitive. Because you're not going to bump them. You never are. It's it's almost impossible unless you become a a, a massive um, authority in that market or that particular item. Uh, that's just one really, really raw example. But, you know, looking at your, your expectations there is a good idea. Um, and that's the next bit here, choosing keyword targets that are feasible. And you put some notes here too, Scott. What do you think about that?
3: Yeah, so like you said, if you look at the top, if you've got a keyword in mind and you think, I need to rank for this, whatever it is, for sure, this is my number one. And then you do a search and, you like you said, you see Amazon and Wikipedia and, uh, you know, maybe the New York Times. You're seeing, like, really big authoritative websites. And if your website isn't one that has the potential to, com- to compete with those, like if you're not one of those big corporate-level websites, you're a small site uh, you're probably not going to get that ranking without putting in a ton of effort and a ton of money. And even then it's going to be incredibly difficult because you might not have the longevity. You might not have, there's just a lot of things, right? So you need to pick keywords that are realistic, that are not so competitive that they exceed your, I guess I could say exceed your budget at the end of the day. Um So find things like that's where Ross had said that just cause something has a low search volume doesn't make it bad because, well, not always. Typically, a lower search volume means less competitive, you know, as a general rule. And those low search volume terms can be very good um, content ideas. So if you mm-hmm. find a key search, a keyword term, they think, Ah, oh, the, this low volume, I'm not going to worry too much about that one. I'm going to ignore it. Well, maybe put it on another list for future content for a blog or something and write a blog post about it. And if it's that low competition, there's a good chance you might rank for it. It'll build some traffic. And if it's a transactional keyword or or you know, you might make some sales out of it. It might actually be a good keyword to rank for, even though not a lot of people search for it. So don't just look at volume, but do, because like I said, if you see something with a million search uh, a million searches a month, unless you've got a strong basis already, you're probably not gonna rank for that. So yeah, pick the realistic one, something in the middle. Um I I'd give you a search volume that's good to go for, but every industry is different. Sometimes a hundred searches a month are awesome. Sometimes you really need to be in the thousands, so that all depends on your market. Mm-hmm. Um but uh yeah, the only pick stuff that you might actually be able to get. The same if you've got a five page website, you know, you're gonna want to pick easier targets than if you have like a thousand page website. So
2: Yeah, and, and informational can lead to sales as well. So, you know, definitely don't negate something because it's an informational, like a person's doing a search what is a coffee maker. Well, <laughs> generally, yeah, it's a low chance of getting a sale, but again, it adds more authority if you're creating great content about that because someone might link to you, what is a coffee maker? Uh And Google might decide you're a good ranking for that. Uh, that is, if they even have the, uh, what people, people also asked in their search results anymore. They're making some major changes right now. So we don't know um, the how-tos were dropped completely as far as I understand from search results. So uh, weird things are happening. But in any case, if there is an opportunity, take advantage of it, but prioritize. And you're, that's going to be really important when you're doing your SEO. Um, if you're very new, build content around who you are and build authority. So you've proven to Google that you've earned the right to rank. Uh Authority is huge, you know, it just needs to know that you stand out from the rest, then start targeting transactional, maybe do that through paid ads. Uh, if the person wants to do research, make sure you've got the content that describes the best coffee maker in great detail, all the different best coffee makers for different tastes, tastes and appreciate if the people want to automate everything. People who don't want it, but I want to do the completely manual version for the purest of coffee. There's totally different ways of doing this and you have lots and lots and lots of content there. I can't, I can't actually think of an easier site to write. There's so much information out there and using AI right now, you could go crazy creating content. Um, it's going to be a mess. All the content that's out there soon because I, I can't even fathom how Google's going to handle it. Um, anyways, that's a totally different discussion, but uh, it is. Yeah, Uh, rabbit hole. Okay.
3: Well, I will add one more quick thing. Uh, When setting keyword uh, expectations, I I did talk about volume and try not to get things that are too unrealistic. But same with the number of targets you pick. We've had clients come to us with really small websites, five or six pages, and like, oh, I've got a list of 80 keywords I want to rank for. Well, you know, situations, I might be exaggerating, but still situations like that. You're you're not likely gonna rank for eighty top keywords that you want if you have a very small website. I mean, if the keywords are all very closely related to each other, perhaps. But then that may be an example of where your expectation is feasible. Um and make sure they're relevant. And I know that sounds ridiculous. Like obviously you want relevant, but I've had so many clients over the years give me keywords that they want to rank for, and you you think, why do you want to rank for that? It makes no sense. And so You know, you may think that a keyword makes sense, but it might not. And I I don't know how else to explain that. I just, I I don't want to give examples that will identify my clients. So I got to be careful what I say, but really make sure that, you know, you're you're choosing the volume of keywords that correspond with what's realistic as well. Awesome. All
2: right, we're going to jump now into competitor analysis. This is a great source of information. Uh, I've spoken on it at search engine strategies conference back in the day and written lots of articles about it. We've done lots of competitor analysis. It's fascinating. It's fun for nerds like us. Um, but it's also pretty easy to do for you to do pretty easy, pretty, pretty easy for you to do. Uh, and the, the key is, well, there's a few things here. Number one, who are your competitors? OMG. It's crazy how many times I get people saying, these are my competitors. No, 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 no. Those are not nosing. They might be your competitors that you know and talk to, but let's go and look at the rankings. So what do you want to rank for? And they say, uh, best coffee maker. Okay. Or buy a coffee maker. Great. So let's go there and let's look at who's ranking. And if it's assuming, let's say, Amazon, those guys aren't showing up, which they would have, but we're going to talk about local um the different different places would show up and it's like okay these are your competitors these are the ones who are ranking and you are are you're way below that's who we're concerned about in seo not the ones who may be doing well elsewhere because for for, for all intents and purposes you don't know how really how truly well they're doing unless you've looked at their books but from an seo perspective we know they're doing well in at least visibility and that's what we're focused on so pick the ones that are really good. Uh, if you decide that they're doing well just in one phrase, but they're not doing well elsewhere, well, that's something to consider. Maybe you don't choose that competitor. You want to find someone who's got a good smattering of results across different keywords. Uh And using SEMrush, you can find out pretty simply by doing a search, just put in their domain and it'll tell you where they're being, what kind of a spread they have in search results. If you see wow, these guys have a ton of targets. They've got a lot of perceived traffic. This looks really good. Put them down. Maybe do a number of them. Maybe find 10 and then whittle them down from there to one or three. I recommend doing three competitors. Uh, this is going to be worth its weight in gold uh, because we're, well, we'll describe what you're going to do next. And that is starting with what keywords are they're ranking for. Um, create lists of the keywords and where they're um, what kind of volume they have. What kind of, uh, search intent they have is it informational, commercial, transactional, navigational. Um, and you're going to get a lot of phenomenal data from that from each of these competitors. Um, uh, one I thing think I like, let's we'll just let Scott here jump in now.
3: Yeah. One thing I like to do with that with competitors is I'll make a simple spreadsheet. The first column are all the keywords. The second column is the uh, search volume for all those keywords. And then the next one through X columns are competitors and how they rank for each individual keyword. And you can get all this information from SEMrush, put it into different sheets. And if you don't know how to use VLOOKUP in Excel, do yourself a favor learn how to use VLOOKUP. Um, I'm not going to get into that because this isn't a Microsoft tutorial post (laughs) or, or, or podcast, but, learn how to do that. When I learned how to do that, it was a game changer. And that will allow you to pull all the rankings from your different sheets for all the competitors and yourself run one on your own website and see what you're ranking for. So at the end of the day, you end up with a sheet that has all the rankings for all the keywords for all the competitors you want to check. And you're going to get no rankings for some and some for others. But if you find that these five competitors all have rankings for a big subset of those terms and you don't, well, if you know their competitors, and they're all ranking for it. You should probably be there too or try to. It, it really seeing it on a sheet like that helps you quickly identify targets that are probably worthwhile in most cases. So, um, having on separate sheets even is not nearly as helpful. You really want them all together in one spot and you can spot that quite easily. So learn V the look up and do it.
2: Yeah, definitely. That's a really good tip. Uh, and, and focus on what, what are your core targets? Uh, you may know at that point because you've done your your research before in terms of the keyword research and also um, a bit of your uh, planning of your expectations and where you want to be. So outline those. Um, how do they rank for that? Uh, what else do the competitors rank for? What are things that they're targeting that you didn't even think of targeting? Uh, again, if they have high search intent that are uh, a, a desirable search intent, be it commercial or transaction or whatever, Great, highlight that. This is hard. I can't just say do this, do that because it's totally going to d- depend upon what you're s- you're selling, how you want to enter the market, how competitive it is. It, it's there's there's a ton of stuff. Um, one of the ones I love to look at too is their paid ad campaigns. A lot of these competitors will have paid ads, and the beauty of the internet is we have a ton of tools that can give us insight into what ads they're spending their money on, and even what ads they're using, like what ad text and content. Um, Semrush does this. Also, SpyFu—that's S P Y F U—and um, if you go to those sites, um, you can look at your competitors and what kind of ad campaigns they've had, um, all the way into the history in some cases, and what they've done before and what they're doing now. Uh, again, if they're spending money on a target, on a keyword target, that's a pretty good indicator, especially if they've been doing it for a long time, that it's something worthwhile. Looking at and perhaps uh, attaining rankings for, and if you find that they already have great organic rankings for those, and they're doing paid ads for, them, hello, that's the term you want. That's a that's that's a spotlight. That that's a term that is something you want to target, um, and you might find some absolute gems by doing that kind of research that you just had no idea would be of interest. So, uh, of course, trying to beat them out of that is going to take some time. It's going to take authority. And that's something else we'll be discussing in, in later, uh, in later chapters. Uh, what kind of content do they have on their site? And what do we mean when we're, we're asking about that, Scott? Uh,
3: yeah, like, is it just, uh, content about product information and, and specifications and things? Do they have blog posts? Do they have informational content? Like, uh, uh, we call it evergreen content. So that might be, uh, Back to the coffee maker, like the history of the coffee maker might be a piece. I don't know. Bad example. But look at the the types of things they're discussing on their site. Do they have um, any sort of mixed media? Do they use a lot of images and video, uh, maybe audio or podcast uh, uh, files you can listen to on the site? Do they have, um, geez, am I, what am I forgetting? I know I'm forgetting all kinds of stuff. But, like, look through their website and see what they have going on there. And if any of that can apply to you. You know, don't copy it, obviously, but copy the, the concept, uh, you know, add videos to your site, add imagery. Uh, you want to, the the things they are doing is working. That's why you've chosen them as a competitor. So if it's working for them, it should work for you if you do it as well or better. So do it. Or especially if better. you find that the
2: rankings that they're getting are going to that content. Exactly. Uh, and then look at how that com- that content is composed. Um, are they, do they have multimedia in there? Um, have they always ensured they have a FAQ at the bottom of the page? Have they, um, got a lot of inline text links? So links to other internal pages in their site or to external sites. Really, the external sites don't matter. But if they're linking internally, then, well, that shows, all, first of all, it gives you some insight into the level of their optimization, uh, how focused they are on search engine optimization internal links from content, that's within the written content to other pages of the site, are a pretty decent indicator that they know what they're doing from an SEO standpoint. I mean, rankings don't – believe it or not, rankings – doing well in rankings does not show that they're doing a lot of smart SEO. It means they could have stumbled into it. There's a number of different ways you can get rankings. Uh, but when you start to see inline text links, uh, you see uh, – efforts with adding different media, 5,000-word how-tos and, uh, uh, you know, the best coffee maker, those kind of articles, that shows effort, real and decided effort, um, press releases they might have put out to try and build authority, all that stuff. And, and when you know that they are doing a lot of work on, on SEO and you know they're doing well, that also indicates what kind of a budget you're going to need to have. If you want to compete on their level, doesn't mean you need to compete on their level out of the gate. Not saying that, but it does mean that it gives you some. Uh, it does provide some perspective on your future of what you're going to need in terms of a percentage of marketing. Ah, uh, it's it's frustrating how many companies expect to be able to get rankings paying pennies on their income, in terms of of the percentage of money that goes to marketing. Marketing is important and it has to be, you have to have a fairly decent budget to succeed these days. Now, what other strategies do they utilize? Uh, we talked about mixed media. Uh, what else do we, what should we look at there, Scott?
3: Yeah, like, uh, do they have obvious link building strategies? Uh, link building is, you know, some people kind of call it taboo these days, but, you know, look at their inbound link profiles. Do you see that their number of links to their site are growing over time? And, again, SEMrush will give you that information. Uh, so will Moz and all kinds of tools out there. But it's not hard to see if they have uh, – if their inbound links are trending upwards. So if they are, you might want to look into that. Look at the links they're actually getting. Are they high quality? Are they, are they crap? Uh, get a sense of if you should be in that space. And – uh, I'll preface this. If you do hire somebody to do your link building, be careful. Years ago, huh. we had someone come to us and they had hired a really cheap link builder and got tens of thousands of links for like a hundred dollars. And then, and that was, and then they got a manual penalty from Google and it was bad. So choose link building companies wisely if you do. Uh, but you might want to do that. You might want to consider that because, uh, it can make a big difference depending on, uh, what your competition is doing. Uh, do they have, like Ross mentioned, pay-per-click campaigns? Look into their pay-per-click campaigns and investigate that. Uh Do they have social media accounts? And, and we'll talk a little bit more about social in a second, but social isn't necessarily a direct connection to organic search, but if they're being very active in that area, you probably should as well. Uh, you know, and, and also look into other things. And we'll get again more into the technical side of things later in another episode. But are they utilizing things like structured markup? And do they have on page SEO on their actual websites? Like maybe they don't. And if they don't, that's awesome for you because that means you've got a big opportunity there. So, look at what do the you mean things. by that
2: on page SEO?
3: Yeah. So look at the obvious things like their title tags. Do they have potential keyword targets in their title tag? I mean, that's like 101. That's like pre 101 level SEO. And if they're not doing that, you know, maybe they don't have a lot of SEO strategies going on. Yeah. Uh, look for their internal linking through their content and, and all of that. And Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we'll cut it yeah. off there
2: because you're right. We're going to be covering that in, in chapter three. So, um, but that's, that's, that's a good indicator of what they should be looking for. Um, and we're going to touch again on setting expectations, uh, realistic goals. Now that you've got this information, you're going to be able to, you'll have a much better sense of how to set realistic goals. What kind of traffic do you can you expect? What rankings do you think you can achieve in X amount of time? Um, set some deadlines. You know, don't be afraid of making it hard for yourself a little bit. Not ridiculously, but, you know, make it challenging. I'm going to achieve this within this amount of time. I'm going to have a very, you know, we haven't even gotten into, and I don't think we're going to really discuss too much about making sure your pages are converting, because, uh, unfortunately, that's an entirely different field. I mean, we do talk about it, and we certainly work on it when we're doing our own SEO for clients. Um, but, yeah, uh, having a sticky page, making sure people get there and actually stay, that's another p- sort of science, honestly. You'll get a lot of sense of what is required by looking at competitors. Again, you may find that they rank well, but who knows whether or not they're actually converting business. Uh, so you can't assume everything you see is working, but you'll get a better sense because certainly you can take bits and pieces from each of your competitors and get a good a sense of what's working. Make sure they're also entrenched. I realize that they may be ranking, but if they've only been around six months or so, don't take everything you see as, as, uh, writ, you know, make sure that you do a careful job of, of analyzing them.
3: I will add one quick thing and, and that's in terms of, uh, Uh, when you said deadlines, and I know I've had clients come and say, well, how long is it going to take for us to rank for this? We want to rank within weeks or within a month or something, which is completely unrealistic in Mm -hmm. almost every situation. Um, Even Google says, and this was in a video, uh, I can't remember where it was, but it it was Google that put it out, and they said expect four to six months was basically the range to see results from SEO. But, again, it depends so dramatically on, how competitive your market is and which keyword targets you're choosing. I mean, it could be, I have seen results in less than two months, and I've also seen them take over a year. It Really, there's so many factors there. So keep that in mind when you're setting these deadlines. And if you're trying to target something very, very difficult, don't give yourself a couple months because it's, you're going to be sadly disappointed.
2: I would say it's fair to – I think it's fair to say the average is three to four months.
3: What do you think? Maybe Three. The, Yeah, yeah, anywhere between that three- to six-month range. I'm not saying top results, but to see see...
2: beginning of results, some movement.
3: That's true. To see change tends to happen pretty quick. You'll start to see some movement. It doesn't mean you're number one, like you said, but you start to see things happen fairly quick. Top results take a while. Um, But it also, yeah, it, it just depends on also the state of your site currently. If your site is fairly well optimized right now and you're improving on that, things might be slow. If your site is a complete disaster right now and you fix a whole bunch of fundamental problems, you could see results very, very quickly depending on what's going on there. So there's so much case-by-case type stuff here.
2: And also in terms of expectations, when you're working with a company, make sure to keep, if you're going to use an external SEO company, make sure you have realistic expectations of that, the timeline, but also that you're going to be helping them. They're not simply... Doing this in a vacuum, they're going to require content. They're going to require that you are actively working on the website. That you do if you're going to use social media. That you're building authority in that way. Perhaps you're doing press releases. Perhaps you're, if you're a local business, you're doing some sponsoring of charities. You're doing something else. maybe you're you're, you're sponsoring a base uh, local. Kiwi baseball team, all that information, all, all those signals are very important to assisting an SEO company achieve your results. Trust me, there's a lot we're still doing. Um, and without that information, it's going to be very difficult. Or without those signals, it's going to be very difficult to attain the results you need. Uh, uh, again, we're being so broad in general in this discussion. We have to be because we don't, uh, we'd have to do a whole st- a whole set of training uh, series for different markets. And we're not doing that, I'm afraid. So this is a a good way to get a sense of how things work. Now let's take a quick break. and we come back, we're going to jump into social media.
1: SEO 101 will be back right after recess.
0: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on.
2: Welcome back to SEO 101 on WMR.fm, hosted by myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my company's senior SEO, Scott Fenak. All right, social media. Uh, again, I preface this with what Scott said, and that is that social media doesn't necessarily have an immediate direct impact on SEO. But... And, and, and it's very controversial, th- that statement. Uh, there's so many people who think otherwise, whatever. But uh, there's been no obvious proof that I've seen. I'll preface that as well because I don't see everything that um, has proven that it has an immediate direct impact on SEO. But does it have it over time? Yes, I do believe it, do, it does because it creates signals. You do great in social media. People are more likely to link to you. Um, you're more likely to get press. Uh, again, totally dependent on your market. This is a generalization, but it does help you get out there. And obviously that's going to help with business. It's also going to help with um, exposure. And since our main goal as an SEO company has always been to get our clients more business, I don't give a damn about the rankings. I want them to get more money and I want to be the reason for it (laughs) because that will keep them around a long time. That's why we keep clients for over 10 years on average. And and I, I think that there's a lot of good companies out there that are like us that do the same thing. Now, uh, to start with social media, conduct a social media audit. You want to review and assess the current social media usage of the different platforms that you have, but also that your competitors have. Uh, look for engagement, what has been amplified, um, just how good it is, frankly. Uh Sometimes people just publish garbage. Uh, but I think also... The, uh, the word for it, the frequency of their content is important as well. And how long have they been doing it? Uh, you, and I am 100% guilty of this. Um, you can't just jump in SEO and then or jump into social media and then jump out. You have to be consistent for a long time. And I am horrible at that. <laughs> I just can't keep it up. It's, it's just not of interest to me. And that's why I'm not a social media expert. I thought about it, but I just didn't get into it. Um, the other part is reviewing and updating your Facebook page and Instagram profile. You know, there's, if you're going to have those first assess whether or not you need them. Um, I should have prefaced all of this with that actually, do you need social media? And if you do, which platforms are important to you? Um, you can generally tell this by looking at your competitors, uh, or even just doing searches within those markets to see if there's enough people doing what you do. Uh, and that have enough engagement. If you see somebody who's been working their butt off and they have low engagement, maybe put it on the back burner. It's not something you need to do right now. If you see people doing really well, but they're doing way too much, way more than you could ever do, and it seems that that's kind of like the, the the minimum, well, again, put it on the back burner maybe, or start something so you've got some momentum, but keep in mind that you're not going to be all over it. Uh, so just focus elsewhere. Okay, um, but then if you decide Facebook's and Instagram's important, uh, you know, make sure that you've done everything, like including a cover photo, doing bio updates and syncing every inf- information so that all that is consistent across all the different platforms. LinkedIn, make sure you have a company page. You include a company bio, cover photo services. You've got a, a LinkedIn personal page for the main, uh, operators of your business. Uh, if YouTube's important, create a YouTube channel, include your bio, cover, background, again, synchronize everything. Um, each of these platforms you'll find an expert for, and probably for good reason uh, in your market, not probably, definitely. Uh, whether you'll need it right now is kind of where I was thinking about the probably. It's, the basics from a tutorial might be all you need to get moving. Um, if you want to hire, if you've got the budget, definitely hire a, uh, an expert. I would pick one. Because unless you have a dramatically large budget, which you're probably not listening to this show, (laughs) most (laughs) of those are are enterprise level, um, you're going to maybe have enough budget to really sweep the competitors aside on one. And the only way to do that is consistently kicking ass. So keep that in mind. Uh, And also cross-platform linkage sounds really fancy, but really just making sure that whatever you're doing in one, you're doing in the other in the way that is most effective for that platform.
3: Uh, one thing I'll add to, and, and we'll get into this in the technical SEO parts, uh, with things like structured markup, uh, it's called a same as. So you would add all of these profiles as a same as so you can attribute your website with your social media accounts because uh, this can help a little bit with your site authority, especially if you're being really active on your social accounts and you're well-known and they're, you're quite authoritative. Um, we'll talk more about how to do that later, but uh, keep that in mind that you definitely want to make sure you're linking to and from your website and attributing your site with your social accounts. It sounds obvious, but mm. I've seen it missed a lot.
2: It's a lot of the stuff is seems obvious when you hear it, but it's not in the end. All right, yeah. I have to get more water. You're going to do talk about tool setups. I'll be right back.
3: <laughs> All right, I'm on my own. Sweet. Um yeah, so one thing to keep in mind as well is you want to use the right tools for your entire SEO campaign. So make sure you've got Google Analytics set up. We've talked about this before. You definitely want to have it there right away because you need this for benchmarking. You want to know how your site's been doing before you make all the changes to your site. So that's really important. Make sure you've got Google Analytics for set up and operational. You also want to make sure you've got Google Search Console set up. Uh, having this, there's not a lot of benchmarking here, but Search Console will help you see how you're progressing. It will tell you, uh, the performance, the general performance of your site and how that's doing. It will also, if something bad happens and Google penalizes you, which doesn't, I haven't seen that happen in a long time, but if they have any sort of penalties they need to offer for some reason, or if they have to send you a message, they can do that through Google Search Console, so super important. Uh, and then also consider using Screaming Frog and spider your site, crawl your site before your SEO, after your SEO, and periodically, like typically once or twice a month. It kind of depends on how much work you're doing on the site there. But Screaming Frog, they do have a free version. It is only good for up to 500 pages, and I'm not sure what other limitations there are with the free version.
2: Biggest one about the free version, which means pretty much that you're going to have to buy it, but it's okay. It's not that expensive. I mean, for one tool, maybe it is, but in the long run, it's nothing. It's about $200 a year, I think, or $1.99 or something like that. Euro, I can't remember exactly. It's not cheap, but it is really good and standard, really. They've done an amazing job on it. Uh, it is, we never really told you what it is. It is a indexing tool, or, or sorry, a spider. It checks your entire website, downloads everything you need to, or the data that's needed to analyze it from an SEO standpoint. Um, it will be extreme overkill for anyone who's brand new. But that doesn't matter. There's still aspects of it that are very simple that you can use. And a quick tutorial on how to basically use Screaming Frog will pay it. Every second you spend is going to be worth its weight in gold. So definitely do that. Um, yeah, and we're going to talk about Google Search Console and Google Analytics a bit more in other episodes, but it is important that those are set up. Uh, Google Analytics 4 is a mess to many of us. Um, it's, kind of difficult to use, especially if you have any experience with prior Google analytics. If you don't, you're almost better off. You won't have the expectations that things will work like we do. (laughs) Um, It's, it's got some pluses. There's a lot of, a lot of things it does well. Even the people that don't like it admit that, but a lot of things it does horribly that are driving us batty. Um, And uh yeah, they're, they're, those are the first three and then make sure, of course, um, you know, we don't work for them and no, we don't get in cut. I'd love to get a cut, actually, but, uh, we, uh, do recommend SEMrush. It seems to be a good all around tool. I think it's about a hundred dollars a month and, uh, it's, it's going to give you so much great info. Uh, we highly recommend it. All right. Well, we're at the end of chapter two. I, there's so much more we could talk about. Um, Literally, what we talked about today, I could do multiple one- to two-hour presentations on without even trying. It's just I so feel like, much.
3: <laughs> I feel like we barely scratched the surface. It was yeah. hard to be concise enough to fit it into one episode.
2: It is hard. It is hard. And I feel, yeah, as we go, we go, right, we didn't talk about that. But you know what? It is supposed to be a primer and really – uh or actually in listening to some British um, – Audiobooks lately. lately, a primer, uh, a primer on SEO. <laughs> sorry, British people. I'm so sorry. I know we have wow. some UK listeners, but
3: <laughs> that, that accent was, uh...
2: oh, that was, oh, that's right. <laughs> that was
3: something. Yeah.
2: Oh, dear. Should I get that cut out or not? I don't know. Anyway, no, you definitely <laughs> got to keep it. You got to keep it. Sorry. <laughs> all right. Uh, anyways, uh, on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Step Forth Web Marketing and my company's senior SEO, Scott Vanak. Thank you for joining us. We hope you're getting a lot out of this SEO learning series, and we've got a ton more to share. So please tune in to our next episode, which air, uh, well, we air them twice a month on WMR.FM.
3: Great. Thank you for listening, everybody.
0: The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. This is the story of the WAD. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine,